Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridgely Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome. Yeah, great to be with you, Will. Mike, always good to have you. Um, Just before we jump in here, uh, I want to give our listeners a heads up on something that um, has kind of been in the works for a while, and I'm really excited about. Um, This Wednesday, January 18th, we are launching the Ridge University podcast. And this is a brand new channel designed to explore various topics and themes relating to what it means to to live as a follower of Jesus. So stay tuned at the end of this episode for more details on what our first series is going to be on the Ridge University podcast. So looking forward to that. So Mike, just turning our attention to this past Sunday, uh, you continued our series looking at the Kings of the Old Testament. And we're back in 1 Kings 22 a bit, but more so in Second uh, Chronicles 20, looking at King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. I can't even say his name. <laughs> a lot of different thoughts. We had I a discussion. That, but, yeah, well, let's say, let's say Jehoshaphat, but actually from here on out, I might just call him King Geo and just save some syllables maybe for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> it is not a very linguistically friendly name. No. Maybe KJ that. would be easier. Maybe KJ. Um, well, he was a king and he was facing this, this huge problem. These three nations that were gathering to attack his kingdom. And Mike, I thought it was so clever how you used, uh, his approach to this problem to kind of provide guidance on how we might best approach problems in our lives. You know, his approach was kind of multifaceted. And even though some of the things he tried didn't necessarily shift the problem, there was still a lot that we could learn from the story and apply to our lives. So mm-hmm. first of all, in response to the threat that kind of lay before him, uh, King Geo, he, he declared a fast in the kingdom. So Mike, what is fasting exactly? Uh, you know, should it be part of our life as followers of Jesus? And maybe what's, what's some of your experience of fasting being like? Yeah, fasting, um, it's, Throughout the Bible, and not just in this passage or just in the Old Testament, we see it. You know, Jesus and his disciples did it regularly. And the center of it is abstaining from something. Um, most often that's food. It can be expanded to other things. It can be technology. It can be social media. It can be alcohol. It can be television. It can be a lot of different things. But that's not all. It's not just about abstaining from something. It's abstaining from something for a purpose. And that purpose is to focus on God. Um, that's the center of, of fasting. Uh, create a void so that when you experience that void, you let God fill that void in that space. And I think sometimes a misunderstanding is that, oh, fasting is this, this last resort or it's something that I'm going to do when I really, really want to get God's attention. Um, then this kind of amps things up a little bit more. And yeah, I, I don't think God necessarily hears us different when, when we do something like fasting and not so much changes God. But what, what I find 
is I do find that it changes me. Um, I don't fast as often as I pray, but I do find that when I, I fast, it does something different to me than, than prayer. It makes me, like I say, it makes me more open to him. I think it may, it helps me recognize God, I, I need you. Um, I need you more than this food or I need you more than whatever it, it is that I'm replacing it. And then whenever, um, if it's food, if we're talking about a food fast, whenever I get hungry, because I'm fasting for this uh, period of time, whenever I get hungry, that reminds me of God. It brings my heart and my mind, my attention, my focus back to him. And it can be done. Uh, it can be a like a food fast can be a one day thing, a 24 hour thing. It can be a one meal thing. It's really not a, a wrong way to do it. The, the concept is just to have it be something that focuses our attention and and our mind on Jesus. It's one of those things that um, followers of Jesus, it's a tool that we have. It's not something that we have to do, but it's something that from time to time, I think, is a want to because it connects us to God in a really unique way that I think a lot of the other spiritual disciplines don't. Right. I, I think it's it's also worth saying that, you know, if you're thinking about what that thing might be that you're going to fast, that something that is costly, I think, is is important, you know, like. I could, I could fast doing the dishwasher <laughs> or, uh, you know, doing the laundry. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But actually for me, what tends to be more costly is either food, sugar or soccer. Actually, for me, I've fasted that before and that has a twofold approach of, of doing what you've just shared, but also it actually helps keep those kind of things in check that, that can I go for a period of time? Just giving it up and just saying, Lord, I, I lay this on. I want to focus on you and look to you. And it also has this this effect then of, uh, yeah, helping us be aware of those things that might be taking too much focus in, in our lives. I know that's not the primary reason given really in scripture, but I've, I find that to be true. Yeah, that's good. I, it really can point to things that maybe have a deeper grip on us than than would be healthy. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you didn't fast during the World Cup of soccer. <laughs> no, I did. No, I always feel the Holy Spirit just say it's okay. Yeah, it's it's all right. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching too. So it's. <laughs> um. Anyways, so just uh, just looking at another step that King Jehoshaphat took. Um. One was Council of Others, but then this other one I I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about is that he prayed. And Mike, you'd think this would be a very natural thing, you know, to do as Christians, to bring our problems to God as a first step. But even personally speaking, I feel like sometimes it, it can be kind of late to do that. Why do you think that's so? Yeah, you know, this is one, Will, I, I identify with you on that. And I think this one convicts me pretty hard from time to time. It's like, you know, I, I work in and for a, a church and there are times when it's like, oh, I, I'm dealing with an issue or a problem and I'm trying to think of, okay, what do I do? Where do I go with this? And I was, Oh, I haven't even prayed about this yet. Like you'd think it would come a little, a little quicker, but I think that, that it is, I peel that back. Probably the reason why, why that is not something that we necessarily run to right away is because we're just trained to be problem solvers. Uh, Really from day one, if you, if you look at the way that the educational system works a lot of it is designed to help us be 
able to solve problems. If we want to figure out if a child has mastered um, content or not, you know, what do we do? Well, we give them a test. Let's see. We're going to give you some problems and see if you can solve them. And so the problem solving skill is an important one um, that is used in most all occupations to some degree or another. We're, we're designed to solve problems. It's a part of relationships, uh, whether it's a marriage relationship, a friend relationship, a parenting relationship. So I think that there's just that that developed and innate tendency to be able to solve problems. And so for me, that's probably one of the things that I go to first is, oh, okay, how can I solve this problem when I want to get better at having my first initial reaction to go to God and say, hey, God, um, show me, you know, what do you want me to do in the midst of this problem? I I echo your sense of conviction on this, Mike, especially sense of working at a church and you know and is the sense that sometimes i feel when i'm slow to pray on things that maybe actually there's a bit of a a root of a lack of faith there on my part do i truly believe that praying is going to make a difference you know or do i actually have more faith in just my ability to brainstorm this and to pursue other rights and and I, I, I say that just sensitively, Mike, as well, because I feel like I've definitely talked to people before, maybe where they've had experiences and they'll say, well, I, I prayed, like I, I feel like I tried that and, you know, nothing happened. And, and I feel like sometimes that can, that can, um, cause people then to kind of delay when it comes, something comes up again in terms of praying or, um, yeah, pursuing, pursuing other rights. And so sometimes when I see that in myself, I think I have to ask that question uh, of myself to, am I not praying because I don't, I don't really believe it's going to change anything. And if that's the case, then that's something that I need to talk with the Lord about and bring to him. And maybe again, ask for that fresh faith where I can ask and truly believe, Lord, I believe that you can really you can move mountains. And so I'm going to be persistent in praying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, well, that when you look at it um, from that perspective, really the theologically where is my faith um, really in God? Um, I find that to be a part of prayer that's really life giving uh, because when we, when we do go to God in prayer, one of the things that it does is it kind of alleviates the burden on me and I recognize, well, it's not all on me. Mm. Um, and that that's freeing. It, it's a recognition when, when we turn to God in prayer, that God is good and, and we're living that out. So I do trust him. So I'm going to bring this to him. It, it lives out the reality that we believe that he cares, um, lives out the reality when he says, well, if you're in need of wisdom, ask. Okay, but I'm going to ask you for this, and and I think it it also underlies for me one of the the, the life giving pieces of prayer. Um, even if I don't get the specific answer to whatever it is I'm praying, this reminds me of His sovereignty. You know, I, I don't have it all figured out, and I don't need to know all of it, but I do trust that He knows, that He cares, that He's got this. Um, so yeah prayer when when i reflect on it really is is a wonderful thing because it reminds me it's not about me we we have a god who is bigger than us and really knows what he's doing yeah i love that mike 
Thanks for sharing that. Um, just one last question then. Uh, finally, you know, King Jehoshaphat, he's faced with the kind of imminent approach of his enemies and he does one last thing. He draws his choir together and they begin to worship and this contingent actually end up leading them into battle. You know, they're put out front and out, out front and they're singing, they're worshiping. Um, I, I don't know if this is the only time that this happens in the Bible, Mike. It feels like maybe it happens in other areas, actually. You know, where worship plays a central role in battles, in especially in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are uh, one or two other times where something like this happens, and it's so bizarre uh, to, to us when we look at it. And if you really try and visualize and put yourself into that position and say, okay, got an army right there, you know, right across the valley. There they are. And they're coming after us strategically. What are we going to do? Clearly, you know, we we would have a very different strategy than what we see here. We would get our archers or we would get our tanks and we put those things in the front. So God's really saying something here. Uh, He's really modeling for them and for us. Let's put the worship team at the front of the army. What? You know, I really think that's supposed to get our attention. They say, why would you do that? And so let, let me maybe turn the question to you, Will. And the reason that I, I would do that is I don't know if all of our, our listeners know fully the background that you come from. But before you were at the Ridge, you spent many years as a worship director um, on staff at a church uh, near Washington, D.C. So you did that for many years. And before that, you were a part of a really popular Christian band, Ren Collective, and you were a part of that um, movement. So you have been a part of worship and music uh, more extensively than I have. So what what do you do with this? What is it that about worship that makes it so powerful? Well, I, I, I think there's something about uh, the declaration proclamation of who god is that's really powerful not only in the fact of um that that's the very nature of god but also for what it does to us in terms of helping us remember again who he is and um coming alongside that truth that i can see that that kind of dynamic was what really was happening in the battle that there is a declaration and a proclamation of who God is. This is our God. We will serve him. We Uh exalt him and we are moving forward under his banner, as it were. And so looking at that example, I think that's where how worship was maybe seen in that sense. But for us, um, I think it can be powerful in lots of different ways, Mike, but Worship, obviously, is us coming and, and responding to God, to who he is, to what he's done uh, in in the past and what he's going to do. And so that gives us an opportunity to do that, to do uh, to do that. But there's this aspect of worship, which is also is transformative for us in the sense that I actually think it helps us get in the perfect posture before God. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're singing again of who he is, creator and sustainer of the universe. And we're singing of who Jesus is, the savior of the world. And we're singing of the Holy Spirit's power. And suddenly we're, we're, we're brought down into that place of humility again, you know, before God and who he is. 
But it also gives us an opportunity to respond to God, like I've been saying. And we were made for that. If if there was, I mean, there's so many examples you could give in the fact that we were made to worship. People don't worship God, they're going to worship other things. But we were made to worship. And so worship, it can be so powerful because we're entering into something that we were made to do. You know, and God has made us to do. And it's not, it's not just worshiping in song. You know, there's lots of different ways that we can respond to God. But so I think it can be powerful in the sense of declaring, you know, proclaiming who God is. And, um, that can draw us into a place of humility before God, remembering who he is. Um, but we're also entering into something that we were made to do. And that's why worship can be such a joy, you know, because we're stepping into something that we were ultimately designed to do. Yeah, well said, Will. And I, I just add to that, um, you can worship it, musically. There's obviously more than more than that. But from a music perspective, um, a person with a voice like you is able to worship God and a person like me, <laughs> with a voice like me, that's not a worship director and isn't gifted to that area, we can still worship God with our voice. That's right. And that, it reminds me, Mike, uh, I once heard somebody say that God hears our voice in worship through the filter of our heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so don't feel so bad on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So maybe it sounds better than I think. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, that's, that's the in the right place. That's right. Well, Mike, thanks as always for your time today. And thank you for listening. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, this Wednesday, January 18th, we're launching the Ridge University podcast. And I'm excited to announce our first series is called Faith and Finance. Over the course of eight episodes, you're going to hear uh, from myself and financial coach and speaker, Travis Shelton. We're going to learn some practical ways of how to steward money in a God-honoring way. So you don't want to miss it. Um, you can access the new channel via the link in this podcast or by searching Ridge University Podcast in your podcast provider. So thanks again for being with us. Hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.